Well, good morning. We're going to talk about the cat getting out of the bag. And if you want to talk about that or whatever it is I'm talking about or whatever it is, you know, uh, carpro.com talk line 1-800-905-0989. You're open. Uh, Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Judge Angoran. Does anybody look at Judge Angoran like me and think to yourself, he looks like either a Dick Tracy character, the host of Creature Features, or one of those Ralph Bakshi characters? Now, it's, it could be any of those. It could be all of those. I don't know. But besides that, he got oddly specific because <clears throat> he had this $355 million fine leveled against President Trump and his associates. Well, now the governor, Kathy Hochul, who also has her own very unique look, uh, she's having to uh, assure con- concerned investors that they have nothing to worry about because, you know, this was only for Trump. Now, this is all based upon this $355 million ban- uh, fine and the ban on conducting business in New York for three years. And she joined, and I'm going to try to get his name right, John Katzamatidis on the Cats Roundtable on WABC 770 AM, where she was asked if other New York business people should be worried that if they can do that to the former president, they can do that to anybody, which is exactly what they should be worried about. But she said, and this is where she lets the cat out of the bag, I think that this is really an extraordinary, unusual circumstance that law-abiding and rule-following New Yorkers who are business people have nothing to worry about because they're very different than Donald Trump and his behavior, except prior to being president, Donald Trump was one of them. And most of the business that he did as Donald Trump before he became President Trump was as one of them. Now, everybody loved Trump before he came down the escalator and said, I'm going to be the Republican, you know, I'm running for a Republican nomination. Everybody loved him. Loved him. On the text line, somebody thinks, or Engeren looks like a vulture. He looks like a cross between a reptile and a weasel. See, some of you guys are better than me. You guys are better than me with the imagination. But this guy is, Engeren is rabidly against him politically. And, of course, Letitia James is radically against him politically. She ran against him. She ran, she promised to pin something on him, which is illegal, by the way, teamed with a sneering, grotesquely biased judge with many conflicts of interest. And uh, here's the thing. The witnesses testified that nobody lost money, loans were paid in full, and banks were happy to lend again. The judge, a man with no training in the matter, no dog on the fight, made the assessments of the value of Trump's property, such as Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence, grotesquely undervaluing the property. And real estate professionals raised their eyebrows at that one. So judge, jury, and executioner all sitting up there in the guise of one creepy-looking dude with a robe. I thought this only occurred in tin pot dictatorships. And it was so ridiculous. I mean, Engren does look like an Alice in Wonderland uh, character, too. Then comes Jonathan Turley. Now, Jonathan is uh, Jonathan is left. Well, he's a liberal. He's a liberal Democrat, okay? But he's honest. And he, he described the fine as obscene. So, investors of New York City, do you need to be worried? 
about this? I mean, never mind that right now, right now, real estate in New York is set to, New York's in a doom loop. They're in a doom loop. They've got, they've got, and you know, I'm waiting for them to repurpose all of this empty office space and turn it into housing for the illegal migrants that are there that are, you know, part of the, you know, the Venezuelan gang and MS-13. Waiting for that. Waiting for the, for the, for the crime gangs to get their free housing. Now, Charlie wrote that it would get bad for New York. He said the impact on New York business is likely to be dire. New York is already viewed as a hostile business environment with the top end of its tax base literally heading south as taxes and crime rises. And this draconian award is only going to deepen concerns over the arbitrary application of the law by figures like James, who previously sought to disband the NRA, and she's shown less interest in cracking down on liberal organizations like Black Lives Matter or the National Action Network of Al Sharpton, despite their own financial scandals. Katsimatidis is a Bigfoot investor with a major following, highly respected, so that question and answer will be closely followed. And I suspect a lot of people are going to look at this and make their choices accordingly. One of, uh, yeah, he does on the text line, Bill, Judge Engren looks like that character, the Crypt Keeper, except with better hair. So who had the better hair? We get this from the New York Times. A lawyer for Mr. Trump, Christopher M. Keis, reacted with fury, saying the sobering future consequences of this tyrannical abuse of power do not just impact President Trump. When a court willingly allows a reckless government official to meddle in the lawful, private, and profitable affairs of any citizen based on political bias, America's economic prosperity and way of life are extreme risk of extinction. Which is obviously what the uh, New York investors are clearly thinking. And here's the thing. Uh, while they're out there saying, well, you know, this was extraordinary. Yes, it was, Kathy. It was very extraordinary because he's a former president, but he was a he was a big-time real estate developer in your, in, in your biggest city. And you went after him anyway. He used to come in on time or ahead of time, on, under budget, paid everybody off, nobody lost money. I mean, wouldn't he be the poster boy? But, you know, if they can, you know, Trump has told you, he's told you more than once, uh, that they want to come after you, but they're going to come after me in your place. Well, they, they've done that. And if they get away with this, they definitely are going to do that. They definitely are. And uh, because they have gargantuan budget shortfalls, they need to raise money to pay for them. They got Trump on political grounds, but now they got a taste for the big, unprecedented fines after what they got away with. So they'll pin something on someone else and get themselves another one. They can, and listen, they sh they shouldn't have, they they should actually be in the black right now, but they're in the red. But I mean, during the uh, you know when 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 Biden came in and sent out all of this COVID relief money, he bailed out all of these states that were that were about to go bankrupt, and they're bankrupt again. In less than what? Th two years? Three years? So the investors who already saw what was going on in New York and were already running out of New York, uh, they're going to go somewhere where they have actual rule of law. And the properties that they desert in New York will be sold to the communist Chinese or some other unsavory player. 
that the uh, you know the New Yorkers themselves wouldn't want to mess with, which is exactly what happened in Venezuela when Hugo Chavez start, started expropriating property. Back in 2005, desperate property owners had no choice but to sell their properties to avoid getting them confiscated, and the only buyers for them were FARC's Marxist narco-terrorists because they were Chavista allies. And you can, you'll, you'll see that start happening in New York. Pretty soon we'll have a Chinese stronghold in New York City. And the, the, the whole idea where Hochul's out there saying that there's nothing to see here, this just tells you that the Democrats were all in this together to go get Trump. They were all in this together, laser-focused. Executive, legislative, and judicial, all in this together. They, they, you know, they passed a law so that E. Jean Carroll could get her lawsuit going again, even though she can't remember where she was raped. <laughs> and she has no idea what's going to happen. How's she going to know what the nominally independent justice system would do to the next guy? So when she says that this isn't going to affect you, this is her saying, we knew that we were going to get him, and this is what we did to get him, but this is, you know, we're not going to do it again. Not going to do it again. It'd be cheaper just to go and exist in a crime, you know, in old Sicily, almost. Yeah. When we get back, uh, they've uh, elevated a non-citizen that can't vote to the San Francisco Election Commission. This is News Talk 98.9. W O R D. Well, let's punch all the buttons. Gotta remind myself to punch all the buttons. I got punch I got buttons to push over here. Before we do that, let's let's wish Maestro happy birthday. Yes, thirty-five years old. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Happy yes, birthday sir. to you. I sir. appreciate it. Thank you very he, much. He's going to he's going to celebrate this by getting in a mosh pit tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am going to go see the Disturbed show at Bon yeah. Secours. Yes, yes. Yeah, Sun's it's going to be awesome. First first concert for the Sun. Yeah, it's going to be his first one. We're excited. He's really excited because he wants Taking to see... Taking his wife with him. That's right. That's right. Um, now, you understand that if you break something, <laughs> you still got to be here tomorrow, right? You understand that? Oh, right? yeah, 100%. You, you get that part of It'll it. It'll be right? a good story for tomorrow uh, if I did. Yeah, wouldn't it? I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> why don't we just all start going out there? and I, I could I could take up base jumping. There you go. There you go. Nothing, but there's just nothing that tall to jump off of. Uh, what's the one where you glide? What, what's that one? Parasailing? No, it's the one where you jump out and you you look like one of those like uh, jungle cat things that that you mean, glide you, through the air. You mean uh, those guys that uh, have the suits on? <laughs> yeah. Do you know how high you got to be with that? Oh, I know. Have you seen some of the crashes that occur with those dudes? Yep. That's that's why I would never do it ever. Of course, I have like a a great fear of heights. So. Well, it's it's not the height thing. <laughs> It's not the height thing. It's not even the falling thing. It's that rapid deceleration. But it, anyway, happy birthday to you, sir. 35, yes, sir. 35 years old. I appreciate it. Just think, pretty soon you'll start feeling the, uh, you'll start appreciating youth. 
But yeah. you, you, you're probably still thinking the same. But see, I do too. I still think the same way I did when I was in my 20s, for the most part. Yeah, me too. Except when I stand up. When I stand up and everything hurts, I didn't have that going on when I was in my 20s. You're right. Despite right. all the abuse I had. Well, that, that's starting. Myself. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's starting. So well, I mean, it's it beats the alternative, Tim, let me tell you that. It beats right. the alternative. And you quit smoking already? I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I quit. Yeah. Since November. You don't want to quit the way I quit. How was that? I had an angina heart attack. Oh, yeah, on, that's right. I yeah. was on, uh, I was on uh, what is it, Oxycontin? Yep. I was on Oxycontin for nine days, and hey, that completely stifles any of those things that go along with cold turkey quitting smoking. I imagine it did. But there were people there that had had the same surgery I had, that they would get the IV stands with the all-terrain tires because they wanted to roll all the way out to the edge of the hospital campus there off of Ferris uh -huh. so they could smoke. Wow. They wow. just had a heart attack, just had their chest cracked open. They're like, who's got my cigarettes, Ma? And, you know, it's just a cigarette just a cigarette <laughs> i mean right right yeah nobody gets alive, out alive right so yeah, right it's good that you're taking steps now while you're young instead of doing stupid things like i did when i was older than you are now and uh, you know starting some bad habits so anyway anyway happy birthday sir i appreciate it thank yes, you sir. sir yes sir yes sir now in san francisco um they have appointed a non-citizen who hasn't lived in America for five years to their election commission. What could possibly go wrong there? What could possibly, you know, does anybody else do that on the planet? Does anybody else say, as a matter of fact, I, you know what we should do? We should, uh, we, we should, uh, we should adopt the whole immigration system of Mexico. If I were to go to Mexico, I can't get a job in Mexico. I could do what I do now because of the, you know, of the marvel that is the internet and Comrex stuff and computer things and all I need is some uh, all I need is some uh, electricity and an uh, internet signal and I'm good to go. And I could do this show here, but I can't go out and try to get a job on English speaking Mexican radio because I'm not a citizen. But I digress. Back in 2020, San Francisco voters approved a measure holding that people no longer to be, needed to be citizens to serve on San Francisco's advisory boards, bodies, and commissions, all of which are appointed positions. And this opened the door for Kelly Wong, who can't vote, but she now gets to oversee and create policy in the Department of Elections. And they, as one non-citizen said, even though we are not U.S. citizens, we should not be silenced. Actually, you should be silenced, or you could become a citizen. You absolutely should be silenced. You got no say. KQED, the local PBS affiliate, naturally, reported on Wong's appointment. It was very proving, even woke report. Wong said she hopes her appointment is a beacon of hope for other immigrants living in the city. There are always voices inside my head like, you can't do it. You're not competent. You're an immigrant. That's not your country. That's not true, said Wong, who immigrated to the U.S. in 2019 from Hong Kong to pursue graduate studies. If I can do it, you can do it. And the reporter for uh, PBS, uh, what's, this, what's this guy's name? Reskin, 
Peskin, I'm sorry. He said, I'm very impressed by your commitment to enfranchising people who rarely vote, to educating people about the voting process, and to bring in non-citizens and get them the tools they need to become citizens. Now, my mother's family, when they came over here from England in the early 50s after World War II, nobody out there was like Kelly Wong waiting on them to help them find the things they needed. They just had to find them on their own. They already spoke the language, right? They already spoke English. Um, my grandfather, uh, he was a World War II vet, a communications guy. They had to go through the whole thing, but they didn't get asked to serve on any commissions. Wong said, even though I'm fluent in English, I still encounter challenges in navigating a new system, let alone participating in political conversation and activities. Now, you know, she did say that ballot measures are badly written, and you can't really figure out what they mean. And that's by design. This is how you trick unwitting voters into approving initiatives they would never support if they fully understood them. But, hey, that's on them because... Uh, you know, you got to educate yourself on some of these things. If you're going to get out there and throw a vote, right? If you're going to sling a vote, it would be very nice if you knew what you were reading, wouldn't it? It, it would be nice if you knew the meaning of this or if they took the time to be transparent and write out. If, if they got to put it in a certain language for it to get into the thing, they could have a little explanation or something. But, you know, I'm just, I'm just spitballing on that, right? I am. I, me asking for them to be normal. And uh, the fact that Wong has a point doesn't mean that a non-citizen who barely knows America should be guiding any city's voting policy. But anti-Americanism in San Francisco is blatant. In November 2022, they booted, uh, the election commission booted John Arndt Arntz, not for doing a bad job of being corrupt, but because he was Caucasian. <laughs> and they didn't try to eat... They did not hide the fact that it was a violation of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Cynthia Dye, who is the elections commissioner, voted not to renew his contract. There was no performance-based reason for their decision. She did not dispute that San Francisco has run free, fair, and functional elections for 20 years. She said it was time to open up this position to a more diverse field. The city, she could not make progress on, it, on its racial equity goals without opening up its top positions. And she said, our decision wasn't about your performance, but after 20 years, we wanted to take action on the city's racial equity plan and give people an opportunity to compete for a leadership position. We also wanted to allow enough time for a fair and equitable process and conduct a broad search as possible. And this was in an email, of course, we, but we didn't have the, uh, the guts to say it out loud. We're going to, uh, you know, when we get back, we're going to address this whole fraud thing because trump has plans for this he's not just sitting there going oh well get out my checkbook i gotta write a check for three 355 million he's he's got plans for this this is news talk 98.9 word You know, in order to prove fraud in New York, there's actually some things you got to prove. There's the, the actual details you have to prove which weren't. 
And that's the problem. The carpro.com talk line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. I am streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. They would have to, uh, they have to prove the following traditional elements of fraud. Uh, they call it scienter, basically intent to defraud, number one. Two, false statements of fact rather than an opinion or trade puffing. Three, reasonable reliance by the victims. Four, materiality. Five, causation. And six, damages. Now, they think that Trump has a very strong argument that when the Attorney General, Letitia James, sought to punish for past use rather than prevent future use, she would have to show all the traditional elements of fraud. Now, they're going to, uh, they're going to uh, argue that under New York Executive Order 63.12, which gives the Attorney General her power to prosecute fraud, she doesn't have to show that all six elements are present. And that was established in 1956 and provides the Attorney General with broad authority to issue subpoenas and pursue civil fraud allegations with relatively low legal hurdles. Now, because Letitia James was in on this and because Angeren was in on this, of course he was going to agree with her, so he ruled in the summary judgment order that under 6312, the Attorney General does not have to show any of those elements as showing a falsity is enough. And had they applied the full six-part definition of fraud, they would have found very little evidence that the banks had a reasonable reliance on Trump's statements. See, in order for Trump to commit fraud, they would have had to have believed everything he said. But there's there's things that go into play with these kind of things, and I've never developed. And this this is just a summation I'm making. Um, I would think that if I if I, if I'm Donald Trump and I've built ten buildings and I've gone to the same banks to get my loans all ten times, and I get there and I show them and I give them the same paperwork, and they have they they have the history that I have paid my loans back that I, I've, I've come in under budget and I've come in faster than the schedule, uh, that they would probably just okay it. But they're going to do their due diligence as well because, you know, they're, they're assuming liability when they do that. Now that's, if they don't do their own due diligence, if they rely completely upon him, that's sort of malfeasance, I would think, but at the same time, that would be what would have to happen in order for him to get them to the point of uh, numbers. What is this? Let's look at this again. First of all, number three, reasonable reliance by the victims for materiality, right? And two, false statements. So two, three, and four, th that's where you're committing the fraud. And there was no, there was nothing present in damages, number six. See, that's, that's very important because in order for fraud to be a crime, there has to be damages, Otherwise, it, you know, it, people that commit fraud don't get out there and pay, you know, pay everybody off. They take the money and run, right? That's what they do. So uh, the statement of reasonable reliance on Trump's financial statements by the victims is very weak. And that will be the grounds for appeal. And one banking official told the trial that he did not solely rely on Trump's statements. 
when he assessed the loan application and the bank made their own calculations. Which is, you know, not surprising to me. <laughs> not surprising to me. But uh, Trump, Trump's going to be pursuing that. He's going to be going after that. Now, because it is 2A Tuesday, we're going to be talking to Dewey Lemons later on. I saw this, and, uh, you know, let's just segue into this real quick for just a few minutes. The guy's name is Ronald Fryer, black Harvard professor. He did a study. And in the study, he, re he revealed that Houston Police Department officers are more than twice as likely to use non-lethal force against black people. That didn't matter to the mob. They wanted him dead. So five minutes after publishing his study, Professor Fryer got his first hate mail. The death threats followed soon after. He needed 24-7 armed security for weeks. Even when he had to go buy diapers. Because you don't just go out and buy yourself a handgun and get a carry license in the free state, in the Bay State, right? No. He said that all hell broke loose when he was forced to go out in public with armed security after he published a study that found no evidence of racial bias in police shootings. <laughs> and this is all... This all happened in 2016. He published a study in 2016 on racial bias in Houston policing. Found that police were more than twice as likely to manhandle, beat, or use some kind of non-fatal force against blacks and Hispanics than against people of other races. But they also determined that officers were 23.8% less likely to shoot at blacks and 8.5% less likely to shoot at Hispanics than they were to shoot at whites. So he claimed the data showed no racial difference in officer-involved shootings, and that's when everything went, went crazy. And, the, and, and uh, nobody liked him at that point. He said people lost their minds. Some of his colleagues refused to believe the results. This is what happens when you're out there and you're taking up one of these leftist tropes that's uh, you know, very common. Very common. I mean, remember this now. This is all prior to uh, George Floyd's killing. Had we known this, because... You know, if this study had gotten out and everything, why why wasn't anybody making making any hay with this during the summer of love? Now, we could be the twenty eighth state, but twenty seven states now have constitutional carry, so you don't have to worry about hiring somebody to take care of yourself if you live in one of those states, I guess. When we get back, a quick look about. Why don't we, we still don't know who the Kansas City shooters are, do we? This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. You know, um, these kinds of uh, crimes that occur, and they're, they're, they're crimes, you know, they, they have different motivations, they have different things and different, uh, different causes, but it is, there's no way to fight this unless you know what it is and how it happened. So, apparently in Kansas City, because this is not, and this is the thing, this should have nothing to do with it. Gun control should never be, gun, of course, you know, with the left, every time one of these things happens, uh, initially they're going to call for gun control. They're going to want it. They want it bad. They want it bad. But um, if that doesn't fit, then, you know, why why, why bother with it? Then you got to look at the uh, collateral, the collateral pro 
parts of it because if it's with your protected uh, groups of people that you have ID'd through your ID politics scheme, then you don't want to make them look bad either because you need them to vote for you. So apparently what we have, what, what I have been able to put together, you have two juveniles open fire on the crowd at the Super Bowl parade, killed a 47-year-old local DJ, Elizabeth Lopez Galvan, and uh, shot and wounded 22 others. And they have charged the two that they've arrested with gun-related violations and resisting arrest, and they're uh, currently incarcerated in a juvenile detention facility. Now, Uh, with any crime involving firearms, the matter becomes a political football. And it's, uh, the Democrats and Republicans look at this as a, and, and this is, uh, this is very cynical of me to say this, but they don't care about the victims. The victims are abstract to them. They're looking for a media touchdown, which we'll talk about the media later on. But, uh, you know, I don't know why you'd want to get one of those, but I'll tell you why later. But the, Politicizing of it extends beyond the implements used in causing the crime. If the favored constituency is implicated in the perpetration, well, everybody shuts up. And uh, then the the media, well, they become priests because they're going to respect the wishes. Now, usually, the CNN propagandists get out their organ grinder and the monkey starts getting out there and dancing while the, bar while the barrel organs... And, you know, half of America sits back there and listens to them with rapt fascination. Now, these, these two guys, their, their, their ID is being very closely guarded. The media whose stock and trade is the joyfully embed with, you know, with jeering crowds who shriek, crucify him at any unfortunate soul, which represents any traditional American value or conservative notion, or, you know, just being a Republican. Now, these guys, they don't have that. They, they don't have that baggage. Now, their, their identity is legislatively protected. And, but we, we, we have yet to find out if they're going to be tried as an adult, and then their identity is made public. And the question is whether that's going to happen is fairly easy to predict, given the felonious... An aggravated nature, a trial as adults is safely a foregone conclusion. But when they can get out there and identify these two uh, yahoos, uh, the legacy media is not going to be interested in this, and the cameras will not be there looking on. Now, Ann Coulter was on Real Time with Bill Maher, and she said out loud, as she often does, that they, they wouldn't, the media tell us about the transgender woman who showed up at the Christian school for about a year. The longer they go without telling you, it's not a white male. Well, yeah, that's, that's a very safe, um, a very safe uh, position to take. Now, in Minnesota, where the network is that Lock and Load sits at with uh, Genesis in Burnsville, Two Burnsville Police Department officers were killed along with a Burnsville, Minnesota firefighter. And in the CNN 
reporting of this, they very they, they, they were very dismissive of it. They said the suspect has not been publicly identified and had several guns and a large amount of ammunition. Now, when he you know, he he's getting the vapors when he's mentioning the guns and the ammunition, and despite the attempt to distract from the you know, because the specter of the diabolical gun, the suspect has been identified, they just don't want you to know. And Alpha News came out and did what they couldn't do. And they broke the story about Shannon Cortez Gooden, a 38-year-old black male. So, and see, that's the thing. I don't care. I don't care if he's black or white or plaid. I, you know, he, 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 he committed a crime. What, what, what caused him to commit the crime? How did he get the weapons he got? Was, was he one of these guys that was prohibited? Well, he was denied gun rights in 2020. And he was wanted for a sex crime. So he should not have been in possession of a gun by law. Of course, laws don't stop criminals. Laws only stop you because you're not a criminal. You obey the law. Something nobody ever remembers. Nobody ever remembers that stuff. Let's go to the text line. I just saw this out of the corner of my eye. Good morning, Bill. I can't tell you how delighted I am that Trump is getting a dose of his own medicine for what he did to his contractors, leaving them holding the bag, not paying them. I think it's hard for the course that he's... It's. I guess par for the course. Have we got time for that? I don't. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, looking forward to this saga too. Can continue for the nail in the coffin later. Hope you have a wonderful day. I don't know what you're talking about. I always love it. Oh, that's it's that guy. Yeah. Okay. I see you, dude. You're back. You're back. I see you back. I'll tell Maestro. I'll tell you about this guy when we get when we get done here. Okay. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD.